the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to the SpotTrack.com podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester along with Paul Peck. We are from BuffaloSportsPage.com and from our mothers. And from SpotTrack.com, the founder, Mike Gennetti here. And we are going to have a, a roundtable discussion on the four major sports on you know evaluating players, something that is done at SpotTrack.com uh, on a regular basis, if not every day. And then projecting those financial values on those evaluations of the players and just how, Paul, how we come to the reports of oh, this player is going to get a $300 million contract, right, uh, or what LeBron's going to get at some point uh, in the NBA and all these things change. And in Major League Baseball, the astronomical numbers, if you're left-handed and breathing, you get at least yeah. $15 million bucks. What's interesting to me and what we'll talk with Mike about is how, and it's what we do here every week, and it's what Mike does every day about how the money impacts decisions that are made. And, and there was a day in time in professional sports when personnel guys ruled the decisions and they made that guy can play uh, we're keeping him and 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 he's a good player and we're going to pay him whatever he's worth Mike but I think what we've talked about here on a regular basis we're going to talk about today is how those lines are crossing much more how the money decisions um, have a bigger impact on the personnel decisions and even to the point where certain positions are getting paid and others are not because of what the 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 research and the money tells you whether you should or shouldn't regardless of whether the guy is a good player or not yeah well one of the things i think that's really interesting and you sort of just touched on it a little bit paul is is obviously in the age of you know where where spot trek has come and other sites and advanced stats and things like that that are public facing websites or apps or things that we can all access that's become part of the conversation right that's become what used to be an internal matter right we used to be a personnel director who sort of kept hush on what he thought somebody was worth now you've got guys like me and you know sites like Pro Football Focus and, and, and the war stats that are public sort of telling in, in a list, in a listed format, you're sort of telling the public, you know, well, this player is better than this player, is it better than this player? And you can sort of do the math on that yourself. So, so there's, a, there's a public criteria for this and there's public outcry for this, right? And we've seen that sort of impact. We, we've definitely seen an impact signings and contracts. We've seen it impact free agencies. We've seen it impact trades. We've seen, seen it, it impact guys who don't get signed because they play positions that are yeah. not as valued as much as they used to be, or they're older and their best years are behind them. That's a great point. And even though the guy may still be, it, it in very many ways it's the Belichick. Get rid of him a year early, then a year late. That's right. Uh, and really, that's something that 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 teams need to work on in terms of pushing away the public outcry, right? Because if if fans are in love with how the player, dare you not sign right. our favorite player, right? Right, right. right. And, so, and then the teams will don't usually say it, but what you're saying is the numbers say, well, here here's why we're we're not signing your favorite player because we don't think that if we sign him, we're ever going to get what made you his favorite player from him ever again. Well, yeah. What I what I think it's the shift has been, and this is something that you do well in your evaluations is you have to forget about forget it what he's done it's all about what he can do he or she can do uh moving forward um so that's a shift right and we just paul we just had this discussion on our radio show last weekend um in you know about the buffalo sabers defense corps brooks orpic right mm-hmm. we had a caller call in and say well they should bring him in here like wait a second Brooks Orpix had a great career 
And the reason why everybody wants him because he's born in Amherst, right? Yep. Grew up there a little bit. And he's a name. And he's a, we saw him skate around with because the cup. Of People, fans done. know who he is. Right, because of what he's done. Because of what he's done. But if you evaluate him, you put a value on him, I don't know Like I don't know that there is one. Veteran minimum. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. but, I mean, let's be fair. We're but, talking business here. Those kind of players... Yeah, we you can't just take swings on those guys anymore. Right, right. We're, we're past that year. But what's that the used to happen very regularly yeah, yeah, because sure. because a, a personnel. I love that guy, and it's a coach said, "I want that yeah. guy on my team. Yes. I need his guts and leadership." And yeah, I know he's older, but I want him. I need him. And and a lot of times those guys would get signed. But I think analytics and better coaching at all levels has pushed that player out. No question. Unfortunately, no question for that player. But for teams, yeah, because there's an opportunity cost. Saying, well, if we bring that guy in. You know, what's our opportunity cost on a younger player who's got a bigger upside who can do more going forward than this guy's done in the past? I'll give you a perfect example of where we're sort of talking here. The, the, you're talking about the intangibles, right? You're talking about these things that we, that we sort of know about a player that are low-hanging fruit that we kind of assume. For, for instance, leadership. Leadership is an intangible, right? Correct. And leadership used to be a reason to pay a guy. You mean Spotrac hasn't dollar. figured out a way to metric that yet? <laughs> we have. We, ha- we. I mean, we, I take it into consideration, but it's becoming less and less important. It just is. And analytics and stats, like we're talking about, they're just knocking that out of the way. Let me give you an example of a, a, a perfect example. The inside linebacker position is one of the lowest paid positions in football now. It's it's not even at ten million a year in terms in terms of the, the elite players. Luke Keekley's making twelve. It's an anomaly, right? Everybody else. You're seeing these guys get released every free agency, every season now. These big names, they're Johnson, Navarro Bowman. These guys are gone, no contracts. And those are your intangible leaders of that defense, the classic right? Classic middle the center of the, the defense. Mike Singletary as the leader quarterback of the defense. So if you're not paying that, right, you're not paying that, then then what does leadership mean in terms of money in, in the business of sports? So that, that to me is the, is the, the defining moment of – advance the analytics stats the, the where the games are going in terms of the modern modernization of it right the intangibles are becoming less and less important because you've got nerds like me with math and stats and production inside these teams and inside these agencies sort of trimming that fat out like well, let's just get down to brass tacks right what's this guy worth how much is he how many touchdowns can he score let's pay him well you know it's fascinating um that middle linebacker position because yeah. i'll just think i think back even just 10, 15 years ago, like you need, you know, you said Michael Singletary, that's even going further back, right? Right. Gosh, is that 30 years ago? Yeah, the 85 <laughs> Bears, right? Oh you know, God. I mean, anyway, you know, but, but yeah. for our generation, he was one of those guys yeah. that, you know, that was. Yeah, because you wanted someone to make all the tackles, right? right? And that's all that used to be. Hey, uh, this guy had 200 tackles on his Unbelievable. Now they look at. Well, where were the tackles made? Yeah. yeah. Right? You know, what was the offense run? They look at every single... Teams don't run as much as they right. used to, so there aren't as many tackles to be Also, had. nobody knows how to tackle anymore. That's true. <laughs> I mean, That's a good I mean, point. The, the game is changing, and we'll talk about that. All four of these sports have had significant shifts in just the game. And that's changed the dialect of positional spending. That's changed contracts. That's changed money. But, uh, I mean, we're going to talk in baseball about the shift, right? Let's get out. Let's yeah, get into let's it. Go, let's, let's start go with baseball. baseball. Let's do yes. it, right? I mean, yes. I mean, it's becoming the most complicated thing in the world in terms of evaluation, the shift. Because you're getting players who were, were had padded stats for five years who are now batting 190, right? 
and 50 home runs is going to be 35 and 20 doubles is going to be 10 doubles. And that's just where we're going because teams have just, they've just sold out to this. They've sold out to the fact that we know you're not going to bunt to third base and we know we don't care if you get a base knock up the middle, right? You're not going to hit a four bagger off us and you're not going to hit a double off us. And that's changed everything immediately, right? You guys who have, guys who are hitting into shifts now versus guys who weren't hitting into those shifts two years ago, the stats are completely different. And we need to find ways to just sort of bridge that metric because it's a different player now. It's a, he's a different player when you're defensively shifting against him. Well, now, can I argue yeah. that there's just more of them? Because way back when, there used to be just, yeah. the, just the guys, but teams didn't shift for them. The right-handed pull hitter that only, well, hit, you know, that only hit to one side. Let me, let me name a few names. Dave Kingman, uh-huh. yeah. Reggie Jackson, yeah. right? uh, Jose Canseco, even a little later on. Uh, you know, these are players. I'm just using Rob Deere. I'm just using, you know, just did, throwing a few. Did they shift for them? Is that what you're no, saying? No, they, 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 did, did, they did not they shift for them, but those, th- those players were strikeout or All or run. nothing guys. Yeah, yep. all or nothing. Now they're all or nothing, and nothing is more prevalent because the shift. That's right. right? That's right. And the game, and and guys, the, the strikeouts for those guys used to be scorned. That used to be a yes. negative. Oh my God, he strike out two hundred times in a season. Now nobody cares. Did you see the Bob Nightingale piece? Did I did s- not. Bob Nightingale wrote a piece in the USA Today, basically saying baseball is in deep doo doo. <laughs> to be, to, for lack of a better Based term. Based on what? Based on the fact that there are more strikeouts than hits. Based on the fact that nobody cares, like you're saying. Nobody cares. Teams don't care. Fans should. If you hit 40 home runs, you can strike out 300 times. We don't care. That's right. That's right. Um, the defense is all over the place. Defense is terrible, right? Because of, because of these shifts. Let's be fair. I mean, I've watched, I don't know, four or five dozen games this year. I mean, honestly. And I, I can't tell you how many times a shift has turned into an error. Because a ball hit up the middle, nobody knows who who gets the ball who gets and who gets ball, second right? base, and so it's well, plus all you sort want of more more home run hitters who are not really traditionally known right. as the best fielders. That's right. So look at this is all part of the evaluation process for me. We take defense in, into consideration. We take positional hitting. We take situational hitting. We take all these things in consideration. But if you're going to put a shift out out there on a guy. I've got to take that into the most consideration, right? Because he is less likely to, to succeed in the era of the shift because he's going to be two for 10. He's going to be two for 10. He's going to, he's going to bat 200. He's, he's going to get maybe 15 home runs. Look at this is Bryce Harper in a nutshell right now. Bryce Harper's batting 210. Okay, in a contract year where he's supposed to make four hundred million dollars over the next ten because years, because teams have responded to figuring him out what he does well and what he doesn't do. He's well. a slumpy guy. And when he's slumping and teams are, you know, pushing pushing the, the, the ball up against him like they've done. I mean, they're doing this with a lot of players, but even with him, he's being affected negative, negatively. He's, he's 100 points less in terms of batting average and on-base percentage right now. So, you know, he's walking when he needs to. He's striking out four times out of, out of 10. Mm. And, you know, he's not a base hit guy right now. So something was going to have to give um, in terms of baseball because the defensive shift is – Really, it's really screwing with things. It's screwing with the money. We, we've seen that. We've already seen that in free agency. Uh, we've had a free agency where you know the top guy basically essentially pulled in $22 million a year over four years. Um, and that's not going to fly for some of these elite players going forward. But you know, we'll get into that a little later in the show. Um, so baseball is, it has modernized itself into a business uh, detriment almost, mm-hmm. right? Almost to a business detriment. Because if you're going to pay for home runs, but that's all you're going to get from a player. How much can you pay for that? How about on the pitching side? How has all of this affected yeah. the way pitchers are used, evaluated, and paid? 
uh, the, the, the pitching situation over the next three years is going to be one of the most interesting things for me to watch and evaluate because I think it's going to change every month. I think you're going to see teams really try to push the envelope on this. We've seen Tampa Bay sort of take a stab at starting relievers. We're going to start seeing teams in the dog days here in August. I've heard this. We're going to start seeing teams just go three innings and three innings and three innings so that nobody has to get a second time through the order so that it's a fresh arm out there every time. Um, so the starting pitching role is in decline. There's no question it's in decline. I mean, you're, you've been seeing less and less innings out of them to, you know, over the past five years. It's going to get drastically different. The problem is I don't know that there's enough good relievers out there to make this work for a lot of teams. So what does that mean? That means we're going to start seeing sh- starting pitchers get ripped out of the rotation and put into these long, long reliever roles. But the Mets have done it this year. Not successfully, I should say. They're not the worst team in baseball. But um, they took two starters from last season, put them into the bullpen, and they've stretched them out. They've gone – these are th- two, three-inning relievers um, consistently every week. So I think you're going to start seeing teams do that more and more with legitimate starters. Um, and, and the way that that's going to change the evaluation process is how do you evaluate a player who's only going to throw three innings, right? We were, getting, we were, we were struggling enough with closers. That, not getting the kind of money that Kershaw and those guys have been used to getting. Here, so here's the, the intangible part mm-hmm. of it that this is why I'm going to question this, okay? So make me sound like the dinosaur here. <laughs> Right, I mean, make make me seem like the manager Art Howe in uh, <laughs> Moneyball, Money right? Ball, that's right. But you know, if if you know your pitcher's got it going, mm-hmm. right, and it there's there's a feel thing to it, like, and you know he's there's commanding. no more feel anymore. Well, be, be, I know, say hogwash because I know where you're when going. When you're pitching, can't... if a guy's got the feel and he's got command and location, and guys aren't touching him. You're going to yank him but out of the game. But if the stats yes. tell you the second yes. time around yes. in the order, he's not going to have that That's anymore. The problem. You're not going to give him that chance. That's why I, I, I joke with you. Feel has gone from almost every instinct and guts it's, it's, are gone from almost every. It's gone yeah, from but feel to fear. It's gone from fe- to feel to fear. You, you, these, these managers are afraid now that the wheels are going to fall off in inning six. They're afraid of it. And the stats show it. The analytics prove it. The percentages drop drastically in inning six on when that third time of the batting order comes through. So, yeah, it, it, I get it. You got a guy out there dealing. You want him to go nine, complete game shutout. Um, I, think I don't want him to go nine. I want him to – I'll take six. I think, I think those days are depleting in front of our eyes. And what's interesting to me from a business standpoint is I don't know how you pay these guys. Right, it's going to have to. The playing field is going to have to level out. The starting this is it. pitcher is such a glamour position in yeah. baseball to think that it won't exist anymore, where you won't be able to rattle off the top starters in the league because they won't be that anymore. Is you will. To no, me. you will because you think so? oh, yes, because there's always cream that rises to the top. There are always exceptions to whatever rules you're, change. You're right. There's always an anomaly in every position. Always. I mean, you're going to have your Kershaws. You're going to have your Adrian Petersons for running. You're going to have that. Le'Veon Bell's. Um, here's the thing, though, in terms of the starting pitcher, there is one thing that can pretend pre- prevent this from happening, and I've heard this as well. There's going to be some serious rule changes coming here. One might have to do with the shift. I mean, they might not allow this shift shift to happen going forward. Um, another thing they might do, and it's a pace of play thing more than anything, is they may limit the amount of pitchers you can use in a game. Interesting. Um, and I've heard that as a serious contention going forward here for the next offseason. So if that comes into play, we're back at square one with this because then you've got a need for guys to go five at least, right? Then you've got a need to, to, to limit right. because your, your situation. Your model pitching. arguably could say three, three, 
and one one one. So you know, we're talking what five pitchers on average a right. game if we ever get to that kind of model. Right. Five to six pitchers on average a game. That's right. So that is something baseball can do to prevent that. And, and that would protect the starting pitcher, which is probably something they should want to do. The starting pitcher is one of the most interesting and important positions in, in all of sports. Right. We talked about the quarterback position. We've talked about you know the goaltender in hockey. You know, in terms of baseball, there's nothing better than a good starting pitcher. And, they're not, and, and that, that, that's not old man talking. That's just, you know, when you've got a guy going, that's good baseball. It's not a home yes. run. And maybe that's their argument. It's not a home run, right? But isn't there, isn't there a better chance for more home runs if you've got a guy who's pitching, pitched five innings? Or shouldn't they want to think about that, consider that? Yeah, I w- y- yes. Um, you know, the other thing, too, when you're a hitter, you know, take Bryce Harper, for yeah. example, like, yeah, the potential to hit a home run is there any time, but it's not every time. And if the shift is on, start hitting to the opposite field, son. Right? right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with the opposite <laughs> field double. Right? I mean. Guys will start to be taught to hit Guys will start figuring that out to you want to get rid of the shift, start lacing one right. to left field, opposite field double. It's been done through the history of baseball. Yep. Right? I mean, Hit them where they ain't. They just haven't right? shifted as dramatically before, but they've shifted outfielders. There's been bigger gaps for players who are pole hitters. So is this just a phase? Is that I what think we're it, saying I here? think it is. Yeah. This but is see, just a here's phase. why I'll tell you it's I not a phase. phase. Be, because it, if the decisions are being dictated by the numbers, the numbers will not allow this to be a phase. But, but for me, I think the point that baseball can make is that this is a TV show, too. Right. Well, this that's is a where TV they would show. have to change. That's where the game will have to change to overcome what the numbers are telling the individual teams to do. All right, let's talk about another TV yeah, let's show. Shi- well, let's NFL. Shift, let's shift gears. That's yes. the best TV show in sports. Yeah, no kidding. You touched on it a little bit when we talked about linebackers, and I think there are other positions that, that are pretty clear to even most average fans that either aren't getting paid anymore or the ones that are getting paid. And I think that's been the most interesting dictated decisions that how this has all changed in the NFL, that nobody pays the positions other than the four or five ones that can determine a game on a regular basis. And and, and I sort of want to just dive into to the reasons why. My, my take on it, at least. My opinion on why we've gotten to this point, right? Obviously, teams have smartened up with the salary cap, and, and there's some internal things that that went on that just sort of pushed this envelope, right? Tom Brady and the, the, the open offense, you know, the spread offense, it's just sort of allowed itself to get to a point where some positions just matter less. But to me, it's back to our original discussion with this with this episode, and it's it's that there has been there have been public facing situations now where te- and let's let's start let's start with video games let's start with Madden okay because Madden's a big part of this and I know it sounds silly but these Madden video games they did something very smart right out of the gate that I think a lot of people didn't understand the impact of and what they did is they graded players. They put grades on speed and throwing ability and catching ability. And they, what they were doing is evaluating players based on their own internal you know, analytics. And, they, and I've spoken to a few of the guys over there that work on this every year. And this is no slouch. This is no, I mean, this is a big deal. This is as this big is no, as He looks any, like he can catch the ball well. Yeah, this isn't the eye test. These guys take their, this seriously and players take it seriously. Okay, every time this video game comes out every year, it, it is all over Twitter. These players, they, they want to know where they grade. They want to know why they're lower than this guy. And they, there is a list of Madden grades on a video game, on websites, all over Twitter, and it matters. And it's impactful, and it's impactful to everybody. Everybody gets wind of this, right? And that's just one version of an, a list of players by position, analytically speaking, that now exist, that people trust, that people look to. 
And that has changed the dichotomy. And, and sure, we've talked about the, ano- the anomalies, right? The, the players who are way ahead of everybody else, right? In terms of their, their production. Um, but it's the guy, it's the middle class that I think has really driven this whole team building change. Um, and the way I look at it is you've got your Le'Veon Bell right now, right? And you're maybe your Ezekiel Elliott. But then everybody else, everybody else in that running back position, the guys see through S, right? In terms of the letter grades, they're really close. And that's what Madden shows us. And that's what pro football focus shows us. And that's what, you know, evaluations that we do all the time show that, that, that second tier of almost all the positions. And we're seeing it with the wide receivers too. Let's not, let's not keep them out of this conversation. It's going, it's going to come for the wide receivers. Um, that middle class is so close that none of those players should be making above average money, right? There should, there's going to have to be a middle-class payment. And we've seen it with running backs, that four to $5 million mark. That's just where, you know, if you're not, if you're not, sh- if you haven't shown that you can separate yourself significantly from the pack, you're going to make middle of the gro- road money. And that's coming for a lot of positions outside of the quarterback position right now. Um, and, and, I, and I attest that to social media and web and the internet and things like that, that have made the conversation more visible. It's made it, you, you can literally look at a list and assess yourself quickly with an eye test, you know, based on somebody's re- reputable grade of where these guys fall. So if you're a personnel director, yeah. general manager in football, and you don't have – the majority of players fall in this category, which they do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's only a few special at every position. That's where the intangibles come in. That's where character comes in. That's where all the other factors come in. You know, is he a good locker room guy, Yeah. right? Um I always think of Marv Levy's line with that, Paul. Woody and Hojo are good locker room yeah, that's guys, right? right? You know? <laughs> that's right. The equipment, the equipment manager, good locker room guy. Uh, you know, but the, those things—that's where it matters. If if guys are so close together, right? That's where it matters. Comes into play. But that is again now. Now and and here's the point. And what I was going to say is those are hard to to measure skills that now become judgment calls and and what we've seen now is we're getting away from judgment calls and my point to your initial discussion was we're we're, we're turning over general managers and personnel to a younger generation the older guys because i know some of them and i talk to them rail against the value the, the pro football focused numbers how can you tell me you, you're evaluating a left guard in a bubble when you don't know what the right tackle the left tackle is supposed to do in the center and 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 so there's a lot of long time NFL guys who don't give those things as much stock as you might, as we might, as fans might, but as a younger generation pushes them out, those numbers will become more gospel. And I think there's probably still teams in the NFL that have internal battles over whether they should go with the numbers or whether they should go with what my eyes and 30 years of scouting have shown me. There's no question. And and just to kind of piggyback off your point, Kevin, I I think and I've seen it. I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen it, you know, across the channels here. I think in terms of locker room, right, and the fits and things like that, teams are turning to their players. Teams yes, are turning are. to their players. I mean, we talk about where, what LeBron's going to do. Is he going to pick up a couple of friends and go play somewhere? That's happening in other sports. It's just not as visible. It's not as much of a conversation. But look, you've got guys who went to college together. You've got guys who, who, are, who you know, work out together during the summer and things like that. Those guys are going to get together eventually, and they're, they're in the ears of their personnel directors. I... Um this won't be hard to figure out for those who uh, follow my career, but there's one former GM in the NHL who went to two significant players. Well, he got one, the player he wanted to play with. And so he said to the other one, ah, 
it's great. Uh, we got so-and-so in front of playing him. He's like, all right, when are you getting my guy? And he said, who's your guy? And he told him the specific player. So he went out. It took him a year, but he got him that player. Yep. And the team was extremely successful after acquiring these two players. So they do go. They've been going to the players for the last 15 years. Acute GMs will do that and find out whom they want to play with, particularly in sports where combinations matter. NHL is one of those sports. NBA is another sport because uh, of who's on the field. You've right. got small units, five units, uh, at least skaters in NHL, five players in NBA. Whom can they play with? And that's probably Here, what Cleveland's working on now, right, for here's LeBron. My, here's my counter to you, particularly as the NFL goes. Coaches Look at that. I make a great point, and he counters. He does. He no, no, not you. By that's why we pay him, It is a great point. <laughs> Coaches have become so much more all-powerful in the NFL, partly because rosters turn over so fast. So it seems to me that the coaches have become the dominant person in an NFL locker room where it has taken the role of a veteran leader away. Because of the point he just made, right? Because everybody's graded close to the same. They, they are. But l- let me kind of wrap this up in, in, a, in a bow here, right? So so you're talking about the NBA, and we've I, I mentioned LeBron, but that's a different situation. That's, right, five guys who need to impact the court. LeBron can sort of pick his fantasy team and go and do it, right? Right. That In football, it's different. And, and in football, the reason it's changed, the reason it's not like it was 15 years ago is because... The superstar wide receiver is sort of gone now, right? There's five wide receivers, and they use all five. And the good teams are using more. The good teams are using three tight ends and four four wide receivers and two running backs out of the back, right? So you've got arsenals, and you've got you you need to have continuity in that. And and when teams have to pay in depth, you better hope that those guys all like each other. You better hope those guys all get along and want to be working together and are okay with him taking twenty of your catches away. And that's what I mean when you've got when you've got a couple of wide receivers who work well together. That's gold because you may, you're not going to be able to pay both those guys $15 million a year, and they know it, and the team knows it, and you're going to have to have more. That's where the intangibles the come to play. The cutthroat response to that is if you don't get along with my guys, there's 10 other guys I can go get and replace you. That's 10 years ago, though. That's 10 years ago. Yeah, but why is it? But, but, you, but now if you have a third receiver who's complaining about his catches and your number one and two guys are there, then teams don't have any hesitancy to cut guys anymore because they know he can go find another one somewhere. There's 20 guys lined up that are just as good. I guess I guess what I'm saying is the the diva, the divaness of the wide receiver position and really all the positions. Look, every, everybody's come down come down to earth a little bit in terms of the money, you know? I mean, like I said, there's some anomalies, but but everybody has to sort of understand the fact that the money is going and the money and the production is going to get spread out more in this game. The NFL is just changing. It's just how it's going to be. You're not going to have a guy catch 120 balls anymore. Right? Those days are gone. You can't even get Des Bryant a contract right now. Right? You're talking about guys who, you know, need to work together in, in locker room presence. So, there, yes, I, I'm saying that, that the middle class is thicker in terms of depth for these guys, but you, you need to be able to reach out to your personnel and, and your players and be, be able to say, we need five guys who are okay catching 40 balls, and they all better like each other, right? And, yes, that, that could mean a lot of movement, right? And, and that, But what I'm saying is that is the intangible that matters most right now, the intangible of leadership. To your point, that's fine. If the coaches need to take that, that role – you know, but I don't know. I don't know that a lot of coaches, especially the younger, the newer ones, are ready to handle that, right? You, you, you know what I think has been, uh, you know, this, I'll say this with football, but this thing just goes with most sports. Like you're going to have your your athletic um, uh, anomalies, right? Guys are just tremendous athletes who are going to look LeBron James. Yeah. I'm not, and I'm not. I don't want to suggest that he doesn't work because the guy clearly works his tail off to stay in shape, better his game, all all those things, but. He's also, you know, just above everybody else. 
Should have got the MVP, not James Harden. Sorry. Mm. But anyway, um, analytics may say differently. But anyhow, <laughs> um, I, I just think he was the most valuable player in the NBA, yeah. uh, if that's truly what the award was. But I digress. You look at – so all these players are graded the same plug and play because in the information age, they all were taught and coached better on how to become as good as they could be. Where before, like Jerry Rice had to run hills. Nobody else was running hills, right? <laughs> nobody right. else Nobody else did those things because they didn't know how to do it. But now that we all know that he did that, how many aspiring wide receivers ran the hills in, in, in California so to be like Jerry Rice? They did the things that you need to do. There still needs to be talent, but the talent's been honed and specialized where it wasn't that way many, many years ago. Well, it's, again, to sort of piggyback off that, and it's a point I want to make here with all the sports is – careers are a lot shorter. I mean, you're not going to see Jerry Rice careers anymore, right? For wide receivers, those no. days are done. Right. So, you know, it's less about getting yourself built for the long term, and, and more about saving yourself for six good years of NFL football, because that's where the payday is. That's where realistically your career scope lands in terms of, the, of teams right now. Look, we've talked about the turnover and the depth and you know, look at you guys who are at that at that stage of their career where they're ready for their monster payday. We're at a breaking point right now. We're at a breaking point. I don't know that a lot of teams are willing to go and pay Odell Beckham Jr. $120 million right now, right? Because, you know, player X coming out of the draft next year is not as damaged. Going to be pretty close. Not pretty as, close. Not going to be pretty close. And, and you're not yeah. going to get better out of Odell Beckham. He, he, you may have gotten the best out of Odell Beckham. Yeah. So for the NFL, I think that's a, that's a good transition away, but, but it's, it's not just one position. It's not just the running backs that we're, that we're talking about this. This is a, the change in football and the visibility of these singular grades and lists that appear are, are not by accident. I mean, it's, it's changing the business of football, and it seems silly to think so, but it is. All right. Fascinating discussion here on how the value. We could probably go on for three more hours <laughs> on how to evaluate players, particularly sport by sport uh, when it comes to that. So um, fascinating stuff there. Of course, if you want to see how players are evaluated financially, it's all right there at SpotTrack.com. Make sure you check it out. You can see player by player as we get into free agency periods in both the NBA and NHL. It'll be fascinating to see how the money shifts in those sports and who gets the money and how much movement does happen. And we've got NBA free agency and NHL free agency both coming July 1st, so tune in. Any predictions on John Tavares, by the way? Uh, boy, it looks like the Kings are all in. Kings. Looks like the Kings are all in on, Even after on paying older, vet, yeah, older veterans that uh, are loading up the cap, but they look all in right now. Yes, because they got Ilya Kovalchuk to come back from the KHL. That would be in. That would be intriguing mm-hmm. out there. And the one thing we've seen with John Tavares, he's made a lot of guys a lot of money. Yeah. Or at least a lot of former Saber or Sabres and Wave Sabres a lot of money. And yeah. Matt Molson and Kyle <laughs> Oposo. Uh, that's why everybody in Buffalo wants to get him here. I'm like, John Tavares is not coming to Buffalo because yeah. there's not enough. He's not the number one center in Buffalo. They paid their guy. Jack Eichel uh, did that. So that's that is going to be the big. That's the biggest piece to me in, in the NHL. All right, we will uh, talk to you next time here. A lot of great stuff on SpotTrack.com. Hope you enjoyed that discussion. Hope it spurs your discussion on. Be sure you give us a rating in the iTunes uh, podcast section. Rate us on there and check out SpotTrack's premium subscription service and of course the app that you can download. For Mike Gennetti and Paul Peck, I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for listening to SpotTrack.com podcast.